Love Talk Radio. starting to hate that theme music. Anyway, <laughs> welcome to the show. Desperate House Witches is not a GPG or even an R-rated show, so if bad language, bodily functions, dirty talk, or anything else I might say might offend you, this may not be the show for you, and that's going to have to be okay. Desperate House Witches is brought to you by the one, the only, the incredibly wicked one, Dorothy Morrison. Please check out www.wickedwitchstudios.com. She is currently selling her 2021 Holiday Home Blessing Ornaments. Get them while they're available because she does run out. Again, check out www.wickedwitchstudios.com. And if you need that shipped overseas, check out theangrycauldron.com. All right. So for the hour this afternoon, I have the distinct pleasure of having a really good friend of mine on, Jade Luna the Asterian Astrologer. Hey, Jade. How you doing? Thanks for having me again. Thanks for being on again. What's going on? <laughs> How have you been? What's happening with Luna 13? What's happening with everything? Well, you know, it, it, there's, I mean, I'm in a totally different world now in comparison to the last time mm-hmm. you and I talked. You know, I'm out here in Joshua Tree, um, yeah. which is kind of mixed it's a very powerful place here. I mean, I really, really like it. But I also really loved L.A. You know, it's like I I would have to say 2019 could have been one of my most fulfilling years in my career ever regarding both of my, my jobs here. You know, it's like Luna 13 was yeah. having a blast. And meanwhile, business was growing in that world. And then all of a sudden, you know, pandemic time. Now I'm here in Joshua Tree. And it, it, it's literally like living on another planet. You're only an hour away from L.A., but you are literally on another planet. And I've lived here before. It's the second time I've lived here. Um, I lived here in uh, literally about 20 years ago when I was going to India about five to six times a year. But what was interesting mm-hmm. about living here then is I was going to India five to six times a year. And uh, the energy of India was utterly so profound that I didn't have the ability to recognize how powerful Joshua Tree was. Uh, because my focus was India, not Joshua Tree. So right. I would come here, work for a couple months, and go back to India, work there, and then go back and forth and just kind of started my routine. Uh, now that I'm here, and I haven't been to India in you know several years, I'm feeling the power of, of this place. And um, I'm having a different experience with it this time than I did last time for sure. It's really powerful. And the uh, the energy out here with Hecate might be some of the strongest energy I ever felt, which is one of the reasons why I'm here is we, Luna 13, um, played here um, almost exactly a year ago. And when we played uh-huh. here, I had this premonition, we're going to be living here, <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> and, and I couldn't explain it, and it wasn't something that kind of came from within because of the fact I was so utterly fulfilled in Los Angeles. Uh, and even where I lived in Roll Canyon and all these other various things that were so powerful for me, I couldn't even fathom the idea right now at this stage of my life moving to Joshua Tree. Um, yeah. 
And yeah, here I am. When I was here, it was a conversation that Lilith I we actually had. I'm like, it was something about her too here. When she we went out, we took some pictures on the rocks here with her, and when when I took pictures of her, she actually reminded me of the spiritual energy that comes off this place. It's a real interesting mixture of this very powerful shamanistic energy, yet at mm-hmm. night. It's really dark. Um, the space energy is really intense. The Kali slash Hecate energy gets really, really intense. And there's this interesting story about Joshua Tree that I didn't even know when I lived here before, was there's only two places on this earth. And it's even more interesting when you Google a story when I'm done telling you. There's only two places on uh-huh. earth where there are Joshua Trees. In Jerusalem, Israel, mm-hmm. and right here. Yeah. And I didn't know wow. there was a myth that Jerusalem was heaven and Joshua Tree was the gates of hell. <laughs> now, I did not know that oh, until damn. living here this time around. And, you know, yeah. I don't have the Christian belief of hell at all, as, as we've, we know. And, right. and yet, right. I, because I don't have the same concepts of that, I don't believe it's that far off the mark. There's an energy that soars around here at night that if I was a Christian, as an example, it would make me incredibly uncomfortable spiritually, um, where being a shaman and coming from that approach, you take that dark energy or that Hecate energy and you merge it into your life, yeah. and it's something really powerful. But if I, w- if, I was a, if I was a Christian that lived here, that night energy, if I was spiritually sensitive, would make me question where I was living. And so that's a rumor here, and it's been going on for years that I never even knew about it, and that was from someone from Jerusalem who came out here to spend time with the Joshua Trees and said, this place is dark, <laughs> nothing like the Joshua Trees in Jerusalem. But, yeah, it's an interesting story out here. That's amazing. I am actually going to look – I'd like to go a lot more in depth than that. That's, but that's kind of perfect for Hecate worship, wouldn't you say? <laughs> you got it. I mean, and so there's <laughs> – I'm having a yin-yang experience with here, uh, being here. One is, you know, I'll be honest, there's days where I really miss Los Angeles, you know, and how much fun – that city was. Um, that's from the, the humanistic point of view. From the spiritual point of view, uh, I might feel more at home in the energy out here than I've ever felt in anything. Uh, because of that, the dark energy at night here is incredibly tangible. Um, I've had in, innumerable dreams. The dreams, because you know, the house I live on, the second floor, you're kind of in the clouds. We're on, we're on the top of a mountain. So we, we, you're really up in this higher energy and it's been really difficult for me to sleep here because the energy at night is so high. And I consistently have dreams of floating out of my house into space. And they're very blissful dreams. Wow. They're very happy dreams. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's a very intense energy out here. That's amazing. So do you feel like <laughs> this move was kind of an evolution in your spiritual practice? Um, it's, a, it's a good question. Um, you know, my guru in India really liked – his Buddhas to be in the city. He really did. He, he even would talk about it. He was like, anyone can be a Buddha in the mountains. But he goes, I want people being Buddhas in cities. And my guru right. loved Los Angeles, and he loved New York uh, because he was like, if you can live in one of those two places and maintain your center, you're an actual Buddha. <laughs> he said, if you're out in the mountains and you can maintain your center, great. But I'm going to throw you into a city and see if you can handle living into a city. So I really liked the challenge of that but clearing that out, yeah. and with the current state of the world, if I was just yeah. to kind of align myself internally and spiritually with a location, it actually might be here. Mm-hmm. 
um, I'm feeling things out here that I've that um, are very familiar. But I wouldn't say it's an evolution because my spiritual practice, oddly enough, is the most um, grounded thing in my life. It's that one thing that just seems to happen every night, no matter where I'm at or what I'm doing. Uh, but it's easier right. to access. Uh, you know, the, the the nights I've had with Hecate here have been absolutely yeah. profound. And the truth is, what happens out here on a day-to-day basis would happen to me once, like every six months living in Los Angeles. Like, I, I did my routines every night spiritually. I worship Hecate at least every night, sometimes every other night, depending on what's going on. But it's, it's where my ground is. And in L.A., yeah. there would be on occasion a really profound night where I felt Hecate, you know, I feel like I'd be in her arms all night uh, after a worship. Here... It's every mm-hmm. night or every other night that that actually happens. And that, to me, is really important with what's going on. Yet, oddly enough, yeah. um, I still like the challenge of trying to fight for that, where here it's just kind of – it's available. It's there, and that connection is real strong. But I'm used to uh, the work that you have to go through in order to get that here and there, and I didn't really mind that part either. You spent a lot of time in cities, though, I, I would say. So I think – Maybe it's almost like a needed break, do you think, to live out there now instead? It, it is. It is. It's different. There's a part of me that's like having a a spiritual blast, and there's a part of me that is actually struggling here and there too. And that's just kind of being real yeah. with it. Um, and and you know, I'll tell you where the struggle is, and it's really clear. Uh, one of them uh, I mentioned, I have a really hard time sleeping because the energy here is so high. Um, and so yeah. – and, and I, I am the busiest in astrology than I have ever been, ever. And this particular sure. year ended up overshadowing um, a year I had when I lived in India. There was a time where, oddly enough, you know, um, I would go, I'd work in India and here, and it used to take six months to get in for a reading. But I was only doing three mm-hmm. readings a day. I was only doing three. After right. like four, I would just start to feel my energy wane, and I didn't feel, you know, why wait for someone – six months and they're not really you know tuned in at that moment here i'm doing eight i'm booked until april right now and and i'm and you'd be surprised that i'm here in this retreat land and i'm constantly exhausted because of the amount of readings i'm giving in combination with not getting a lot of sleep at night and luna 13 was an awesome break when i would take that month and go on tour and we would do these shows it consistently rejuvenated my practice as an astrologer because it gave me yeah. some breathing room, to, and I don't have that now. And so, I, uh-huh. you know, I'm, I, I'm here in, in the middle of the, in the, of the desert, but I feel more claustrophobic because of the level of work that I have out here without those breaks than I've ever, than I've ever yeah. been. So it's a mix, very interesting mix. It, it does. And, I, you know, a lot of people have told me since the pandemic started that they're busier now than they were before the pandemic started, which I find fascinating. But everybody's feeling kind of, like you said, claustrophobic um, because everybody's trying to social distance in an appropriate fashion. So you doing more readings. It's, I mean, I understand that the energy level is higher, but that's a lot of reasons. <laughs> So you you've really got to be tapped in to be able to cover that amount of work, and I I would totally struggle if it were me. So I'm glad it's not me. Yeah, I'm at this point where it's been so busy, it's actually affected, 
it's, it's, it's affected the whole process. Uh, there's been innumerable days where, you know, I'm averaging, and this is, this is literal. I mean, and, and I, I know for most people that love to have a job like this, which I am indebted to having a job like this. I absolutely love the fact that I'm able to do astrology, but I've had several days in the last month or two months of throwing my hands in the air going, I can't keep up with this thing. And it's like I could literally spend an entire day just booking readings, not even giving readings. It's like I can get 40 to 80 emails in an hour now, and it's just nonstop, and it's grown to such an extent, and I can't hire people with this job. You'd think that you could, but like when I'm booking someone – I have to know the reading yeah. that they get, and I've, hi- I've hired people before to help me, and I've had – I mean, I literally had an intervention with some of my clients in New York once. <laughs> like, you've got to get rid of your assistant <laughs> because she's harming wow. your business. Now, that was the last time I ever had one um, because of the fact that people would try to, what reading should I get? Well, I don't know. Let me talk to Jade. And then it would become more challenging for me because I had to address all these questions from her. I'm like, you know what? I just need to do that part myself. And, but it's been, it's been busy. I have had, you know, and like I said, the nights here in Joshua Tree, um, I naturally go to bed really late anyways, but it's been um, a real challenge to sleep because the energy is consistently so high. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, we were talking before the election about, you know, predictions and what was going to happen, and you've been really spot on, <laughs> scarily. Um but that's what you do because I've had a reading from you and I know what it's about. Um, but, you know, I wanted to know how you think things are, are going to end up with Trump. You did say that he was going to make a lot of noise, um, yep. which, of course, he has been. Uh, but do you think this is a done deal, even though he's talking about going to the Supreme Court? Um, yeah, no, I, I, I think it's a, it's a done deal. You can kind of feel it, you know, and also by the way, giving readings to a person and predicting worldly events are literally two different art, art forms. Mm-hmm. Um, you yeah. know, when I'm working with a person, my job literally is really just to help them find themselves to my greatest extent, where when you're dealing with the world, you're, you have to make very literal and abrupt predictions that um, with people, that's not it's, it, we do that, but that's not really what my I, I don't specialize in that. My specialization in giving readings to people is to help them find yeah. themselves. That's really and, and it's really what I enjoy doing. And and the prediction part falls underneath it under importance. I think that in this day and age, helping someone align with who they are is my top priority. So when I get out to make world predictions is where you really get to flex your predictive muscle uh, far more than dealing with a person um, because it's really what you're doing. And um, this year has really shown me the power of Asterian astrology um, with world events unlike anything I've ever witnessed. And now I've made public predictions before, but going back to our earlier statement, um, your earlier statement, I work with people to such an extent, I don't even have time to focus on what's going on in this world. And I made a point ah. this year to actually make time, to make space, to make world predictions. A, because I used to give seminars um, about earth changes. Um, a lot of those pictures you see with me you know, in front of groups and stuff like that from the past were all earth change seminars. And I had to go back and start making public predictions in this year because in you know like in 2005 to 2012 
I was talking about 2020. And so I had to go back and start realigning everybody that had been to my seminars and say, get ready, that you might have forgot because you heard this seminar in 2012, but we're getting ready for that year that I was talking about, 2020. And so that yeah. kind of revitalized my need to get out there and make public predictions, to realign with the people that went to my seminars and heard me talk about 2020. I was one of those ones out there, and you've heard me on your show. I'm like, 2012 isn't going to happen. 2020, yeah. I didn't say it in those terms, but I was on your show telling people, oh, don't worry about 2012, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, and I already knew that because they were trying to take the Mayan calendar which is incredibly accurate and uses the stars in the sky, and they were trying to merge it through Western astrology, which has no correlation to astrology yeah. in the sky. And so you're going to arrive at all the wrong dates when you try to incorporate Western astrology into it. And it was a series of astrologers that merged the Mayan calendar through the tropical calendar, which is Western astrology, trying to arrive at those dates. And I said, guess what? It's, it's going to be wrong because you can't do that. Western astrology uh -huh. is not an actual real science. It's a calendar. First day of Aries, yeah. the first day of spring. All Western astrology is, mm -hmm. and you've heard me say it over and over again, but for people who hear this show for the first time, it's a calendar. We used to use it in the Northern Hemisphere. The first day of Aries is the first day of spring, so you get the four equinoxes, and you dissect it right. into 12 parts, and that's your Western astrology zodiac. Oh, but that's the calendar. <laughs> so when people yeah. are talking about the relationship to Western astrology, it's just a calendar, um, and that is only a northern hemisphere calendar that does not work in the southern hemisphere. So that's what Western astrology is. It's the northern hemisphere calendar and pushing the planets through it. Uh, it has no correlation to the stars in the sky. And, you know, you've heard me say it a million times. I think Western astrology is one of the most, what well, can I say, it's one of the biggest fallacies out there right now is that people are aligning with what they are not, they're learning from birth about signs they're not, so they grow up believing signs they're not. So I consider it the number one ignorance out there as Western astrology. And I even use it to decipher of whether I take someone serious or not. And I'm just being real because, you know, from a Vedic standpoint, Maya is the goddess that creates this illusion around the planet or the delusion. And she creates this mm -hmm. web of delusion around this earth, which is filled with false information. That's what it is. It's just filled mm -hmm. with false information. But she creates mm -hmm. that web to see who can pop their head above it and who can't. And if you pop your head right. above her great ignorance as she spreads, she takes you on as a devotee right there and then. And then, she, then, you, be, then you are officially right there in direct relationship with the Divine Mother because you got past the web of delusion that she created. And so what is the number one delusion to me? Western astrology. It's number one. So mm -hmm. if people are using it, they haven't popped their head up to form a relationship with this goddess. And I so firmly believe that because everyone I truly respect spiritually has used the stars in the sky, every single one of them. Um, I haven't yeah. dealt with anyone that struggles with Western astrology all the way down to um, this is an interesting statement. When I was living in India, I was told that there was a Catholic monk who was an actual master. This is when I was living in India, and the gurus in India that were advanced were saying there's a Catholic monk in Aspen, Colorado named Father Theo, and he's a God-realized master, and it's a hidden secret that he's in Aspen. It's very unusual for masters to be in the United States. Most of them are in India and Buddhist and so forth. 
Um, and so I found out yeah. where he was, and I went to go see him. <laughs> this was in like huh. 2004. And so I'm like, the last thing I want to do is go see a Catholic monk. I mean, it's, it's really right. not my thing. And I found my journey. I'm already worshiping Kali. But I went to see this yeah. monk in Aspen, Colorado. He had this monastery way out in the forest in the middle of nowhere, kind of like St. Francis of Assisi. And a lot of Catholic monks were around him, and they all knew who he was. And that was really profound when I went there. And so I went and saw Father Theo. He comes walking out of this, like, cave, and there's these monks around him. And he walks up to me, and he literally says, you just got here from India. And I said, yeah. And I said, you know, my guru was... And, and he starts naming off all the names of the gurus that I was around in India to show me that, that he was real. Uh-huh. And he also looked at me, uh-huh. a Catholic monk, and said, what do you do for a living? Ah, oh, you're an astrologer, right? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, and you know the Western system isn't real, right? I'm like, yeah. And he said, good for you. It was the only, only thing he said to me. <laughs> it was like, here really? I am, a Catholic monk even realizes that the Western system is fake. <laughs> And so I use it as a guiding point to really see who I, I can trust and who can't because, again, like I said, I believe astrology is in the, the web of the Divine Mother's ignorance and to see who can get beyond it and who can't. And one last statement about that, we're only on this planet to realize who we are. We're not here for anything else. We're not here for anything other than realizing who we are. And astrology is that science that is supposed to show you who you are. That is why it's the number one science. So to grow up believing in a sign that you're not is the single most detrimental thing that a science can actually do. So I consider that's why you've heard my campaigns against it. Now, am I expecting everyone to go follow it? No, because the web of illusion is that thick. And I'm also slightly um, protective over it now, You know, where I'm conscious of who I let into this world and who I don't. And I state that because I've had over 100 people this year ask me to learn Asterian astrology, and I'm very selective over who comes in and who doesn't, because you end up finding this incredible power, including power over magic. There is a, a whole chapter, Asterian astrology, starting on page 140. It's the highest magic you'll ever read in a book, ever, because it tells you the gods that are active, what magic you should do on certain days. And this is ancient. This is not coming from my opinion. This is coming from ancient yeah. Egyptian and Greek masters that laid down what gods are ruling over which days of the week. So as an example, let's just say you want to do some power magic and you want to correct something universally. You better do it on the right day because let's just say, you know, let's just say you want to spread white magic everywhere. And Typhon rules over that day. He could give a shit about white magic. He's not going to let it happen. <laughs> he doesn't want that. But if you want to do some dark magic, He's game. And so when uh-huh. you're able to align with that and you know what gods and goddesses are ruling over that day, and that is, was the number one knowledge you needed to have in order to make magic work, is what gods rule over that day. And so that particular information, which is in Asterian astrology, I don't mind if very few people find that. You know, yeah. truth is not for the masses. Apparently not. <laughs> As we have seen recently, yeah. truth is for the, the few who actually want to hear it. And I find that people have a lot of difficulty hearing the truth. And if you, I mean, even forgetting about astrology for a minute, apparently people are very comfortable in lies if it supports their theory 
or sometimes if it supports their power, even though they know their lies. And I find that very frightening because we're, we're living in a world where people are making up their own reality and accepting, expecting the rest of us to buy into that reality. Are you seeing that? Oh, I mean, I, I, and again, I use mysticism to gauge that. You know, it's very interesting. Last week I had someone contact me because they were, they believed that they were cursed by someone. Um, They opened up a business and they hired a few people. And when they hired a few people, um, their business started falling apart. And they went to a psychic in Los Angeles. The psychic was like, "Uh, you hired someone that's actually trying to curse your business. And so someone said, you know, contact Jade. And she was like, oh, my God, it takes so long to get in to see him. I need information now. I I can't wait three to five months to to hear about this. And so someone contacted Mm -hmm. me and said, can you just get this person in really quick and and just give them a 15-minute reading? I'm like, well, I have hundreds of people asking for that, but, yeah, let me do it. And my first question to the person is, who is doing the magic? Who do you think is doing it? They often will have a name mm-hmm. of who they think it is. And my second question, which is the most important, where are they from? If I mean, oh. this, is, this is not a, a slab at Wicca at all, but it kind of is. If someone is using Western magic, I'm like, it's not a thing. Yeah. Don't worry about it. But if someone says, uh-huh. the person just got here from Iran, the person just got here from India or Haiti, I'm like, okay, you're in real trouble. You're in real trouble. Damn. Um, there is types of magic that exist in other countries that is severe, where you can you can really harm someone. Um, but Wicca, it's more about your willpower. Like it's like my will against your will. <laughs> you like kind right. of like you know all the witches that were out there like trying to like get rid of Trump, but yet he has all of these you know witches or Christian witches protecting him, and it's just my will versus your will. Okay. Indian magic cuts right through that. You just send a spirit to that person, and it's over. And it's not about my will versus your will. It is literally about having a relationship with entities and spirits. Um, You know, and and that's where you get into some really difficult and dark magic is if you're dealing with someone that has the ability to access a spirit and, and make that spirit do your bidding for you. Well, there's a difference in Eastern and Western in how that's done. You know, like in the West, mm-hmm. we're binding that spirit. You're going to make it, you know, I want you to go do this for me, or I'm going to do this in return. That's also how you can make a spirit right. lie to you as well, is by binding it. Once you, <laughs> you treat it a certain way, it actually doesn't want to be treated that way, where the Indian way is know what that spirit is and what does it like. Does it, and chant mantras to it. Make it feel like it's a god. Give it the incense that he wants. Give it the things that it likes. And then you form a relationship with that spirit where it actually wants to do that because in return it gets something from you that it wants. It may like you mm-hmm. know, sandalwood incense. It may like offered white rice you know, or even like milk. It may like that. So you're forming a totally different relationship there here where I think you know, magic here is really a real challenge for people because it's about binding things, binding spirits and stuff like that. I'm like, well, in India, you treat that spirit like it's a god, and you treat it like it's your guru, and it gives you right information. It will never lie to you if you do that, and then it will also do your work yeah. for you. But anyways, I don't know how I branched myself off on this subject. Oh, yeah, um, but yes, magic. You know, Asterian astrology yeah. also is high, high, high magic as you know what gods to be working with on that day and so forth. But anyways, yes, I don't know how I branched that one off for you. (laughs) 
Well, let me go let me go back to it for a minute because I had a question about what we were talking about that led you where you are. Um, so the person who needed the reading about the person that they had hired um, that they thought was trying to harm them. Yes. If you find, and you said if they, if the, it depends on where the person is from that determines whether or not they should feel threatened by it. So yeah. if you have somebody who is from Iran or um, India, is there a way for a person to protect themselves? Because you yes. said that magic is going through. Yes, it, but you have, to, you have to align with that style of magic in order to create the protection. Uh, meaning, let's just okay. say you, you, you know, like as an example, I think some of the, the Greek magical papyri in translation shows this. And it was so cute to me how you would get the dark mother to do something that was dark. You would rile her up. <laughs> and so in India, you're aware that the goddess has two bodies. Um, the goddess has a yeah. God-realized form and then has a, a human form with a human uh, personality. And, and you, you're aware of that. So it has this like connection to the divine, but it also then has a connection to the human. And what you do is you get the human form of the goddess and you rile it up. And that's why you'll see it in the Greek magical papyri translation saying, go harm this man because he said this about you. He called you a weak goddess. He said you were like, you know, you didn't have full wisdom and you were, and all of a sudden you get the goddess all excited and she goes and does some black magic. And like, I can't believe that you've been able to make that happen. But anyways, what you do is if someone comes in here, when they told me that one of the persons was uh, Cuban, I went, okay, that's interesting. Okay. I know there's magic there that is high. It doesn't, Makes sense though that you'd be hiring someone that is immediately excited to work for you that starts harming you with black magic. There's a lot of fear that psychics right. put into people to make money, by the way. So you have to be real. That's one one way that a psychic will make a lot of money is to convince someone they are cursed, and I will be the one that removes the curse for you if you give me a certain amount of money. And that's how a lot of psychics make a shitload of money. When in reality, when I looked mm-hmm. at the person's chart, I saw that her husband started a Saturn return, his second Saturn return. I'm like. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't think you're being cursed. This is just business here. And, and it's an interesting statement, too, is a lot of people don't know what is divine will and what is your will. Mm-hmm. Uh, in order to do magic correctly, you have to know what is the divine will of the universe. You have to. There are some things mm-hmm. that the universe has called, even if you don't like it, it's done for a oh, reason. Yeah. And, and, so, mm-hmm. and also it's really intense about America because when you use real astrology, America is a Gemini, which means that this red and blue – are the two faces of this country. They actually are. And while I am Democrat now more than ever before, and I've actually really come to like Biden. I mean, there there are potentials where this could be my favorite presidency coming. I really see that with Kamala and so forth. Um, I see something here I really like, yet I do concentrate on focusing on what that red side wants too. And I'm totally open to that uh, those energies as well knowing that i live in america it's a gemini country yeah. these are the two personalities of this country and if you swing one way you might end up creating karma where you have to swing the other way in another life uh that can yeah. happen you be, you know as you've heard me say you become what you judge yet you stay with what yes. you love in reincarnation what you love you stay with but what, uh-huh. you, ju- what you judge you become an example of that i believe i'm an example of that where my guru okay. told me I lived in India my last life, and I was a Swami and Rishikesh. He would tell me about this uh, crazy past life stories I have with him. But he said, you wouldn't accept Westerners as students of astrology at all. 
huh. you hated Westerners, but you loved Kali, and you worshipped Kali your whole life. So here you are, born in the West, you became what you judged, but you stayed with what you love. You found Kali all over again. And so that is, you know, what, you know, that's a whole reincarnation statement, is you become what you judge, yet you stay with what you love. And, uh, and, you know, here in America, you know, I'm learning to understand this country a little bit more than I did, and knowing that, meanwhile, I'm going to stay a Democrat no matter what, because I really see the consciousness mm-hmm. is there, yet we have yeah. to open up to what that red side is looking for at the same time and have to find a way to balance these two forces together, which we're not doing right now. I have no – and, yeah, I mean, I get that, and people tell me that, and I have such a hard time with it because for me it's so counterintuitive. Uh-huh. But I understand <laughs> why. I, I mean, I do understand why it's important. I don't know how to make that jump. Well, you know, for me, it's a you know historical thing, and I'm going to answer that because I'm going off on different branches here. But also, so when the lady came in, just to finish that, and then we'll go back into this, I told her that I didn't believe she was being attacked by magic, but if she continued to feel that she was, that she was going to have to learn the magic for where this person was located to protect herself. Um, in which we had that discussion, I don't believe that she's actually being attacked. I believe her husband's going through a sad return, and his business is slowing yeah. down because of that, not because she's being harmed. But then going back to the American element, um, the only way I can feel any type of energy regarding the red right now is to tap into the old the America of the past. Uh, I believe that the, the blue is the America of the future. I believe it represents you know, unity and acceptance and all the things I think we're becoming. Yet I believe that a lot of these people that are like heavy Trump supporters were people that were a part of an era in America in like the 17 or 1800s. And they're feeling that energy that came off that era, and they don't want to accept the fact that we've evolved into a whole new state. And that's the, that's the America that I believe that we, we need to have, and we can all argue about that. But I feel the old energy that they're looking for, and that there's a vibration of safety and comfort they have in that. Because I think you know, having a world where your bosses are females and having a world where female are fe- – and I believe it's all about the divine feminine, by the way, because mm-hmm. the blue is so openly accepting of the power of the divine feminine. And and what I mean is it's accepting of everything. It accepts how we're different. Where the red really struggles with that, and they hold on to those old values. It's like that uncle at the table that is literally, you know, that racist guy that you you have to kind of, you know, separate your beliefs from him, but yet you have to love him at the same time. That is how I have to treat people here. They're old school, old valued people. They really haven't accepted the fact that America has evolved into a much greater place but they just feel safer back in that old time. Yeah, I work with people like that. Uh, you know, I was, I was at the office and somebody came in, a guest came in and went up to the only Republican in the room and said, we're losing everything. We're losing everything. I mean, this was like a week ago. And I'm just sitting there like, you're white, you have money, and you're male in America. You haven't lost a fucking thing what are you talking about yeah no i know but i guess what you're saying is that's what they feel like they're losing they feel they feel like they're losing the control that they once had yeah yeah long time ago too 
You know, it, it, it's, it's been, in my opinion, we've been trying to evolve from that space for a very long period of time. And, and I, I, you know, I get the sense with the alignments going on astrologically, like we have Pluto getting ready to enter Capricorn permanently. It went in there earlier in the year to kind of kick off the pandemic and then went retrograde back into Sagittarius. Now it's going back into uh-huh. Capricorn, hence this big energy shift people are still feeling right now. And it's so yep. funny. I heard someone the other day. Oh, it's we're getting ready for the age of the uh, stronger version of the age of Aquarius because we have in Western astrology we have Jupiter and Saturn going into Aquarius with Pluto. I'm like, so that Pluto. is how you judge the age of Aquarius because Jupiter and Saturn have been no. in Aquarius many many times. I'm like, yeah. and I had to tell the person. I said, we get the ages like this. That zodiac in the sky moves one degree every seventy two years. And that movement is called the procession of the equinox, which the Egyptians, mm-hmm. the Babylonians, and the ancient Greeks mastered. That movement creates the ages that we're in. And that is how we get ages. Whoever proclaimed the age of Aquarius in the 1960s had no idea what they were doing. None. Zero. We are approaching the age of Aquarius, 2020 to 2070, is the end of this age. And that is due to the movement of the Zodiac, uh, that procession of the equinox. We are now getting ready for that next age, which is going to be a goddess-based age. Simple, too. That is so simple. The movement of the Zodiac in the sky creates the ages. The Egyptians calculated it. The Hindus calculated it. The only system that doesn't know anything about how to calculate an age because it doesn't use the stars is Western. That figures. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know it's tough on people. I mean, it's really, you know, it's really hard for people. You know, I dealt more or less with uh, the conflict around Western astrology this year through making these predictions because I've had people contact me and say, well, guess what? I know someone else who also predicted, you know, the fires, the, you know, and also predicted the humanitarian crisis. My response is mm-hmm. send me their information. I want to see it. Did yeah. you know, I've said that yeah. 20 times and I haven't seen anything yet. I've seen people after yeah. the fact talking about it. I said, this person right. who was supposedly supposed to predict the fires said it yeah. as they were going on. And their alignments for what was creating the fires was in, was, had no correlation to astrology. Listen how easy it was to predict these fires. In real astrology, on August 16th, that's the day the sun goes into Leo, a fire sign. And Mars went into Aries, another fire sign, at the exact same time, at the exact same minute. That is very unusual. So, right. sun, Leo, fire. Aries, mm-hmm. Mars, fire. Heat, fire. fire. That's how easy that yeah. prediction was to make, and that's how it could be made with total confidence. We're going to have fires and record-breaking heat. <laughs> On the, you know, and, and Mike, it's going to start right away. But that's it. That, mm-hmm. That's not a hard prediction to make. That is just using the stars in the sky. It's like, is that easy? And then, you know, you got two fire planets going into their own signs. That's going to create heat and fire. It's just, it's just that easy. It's like, same with making the humanitarian predictions. It's like, we're going to have humanitarian crises. I said, you know, uh, Hecate passes the torch to Prometheus. Prometheus is the god of humanity. Eclipses create disruptions. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have disruption in humanity. Uh, in June, I missed yeah. it by. I, I make the joke. I missed it by two weeks. There was a big solar eclipse June 21st. There was a small yep. eclipse on June 2nd. I'm like that one on the 21st is going to do all that. And when it started on June 2nd, I'm like, damn it, I'm going to miss this by two weeks. 
<laughs> I said, because the first one started the damn thing off. It didn't even wait to the second one. Um, and I, I'll be glad to be off by two weeks uh, making predictions that are that large yeah. about humanitarian crisis. But, and I'm, but I make the joke that, yeah, the first one did it. I thought the second one would be bigger because it was a solar eclipse. I'm like, but I'm fine making that error by two weeks. But I can tell you exactly what I'm using. Uh, you know, an eclipse under the god Prometheus, the god of humanity, should stir up humanity and bring up the problems we need to be working on. And there it is. It's not a hard prediction to make. Right. Well, I mean, and you and I have had this conversation because you've said on the air, you know, if if somebody wants to challenge you, and I on I offered to host it, not one person has said boo in all of these years that you've been coming on the show. No one. No one's willing yeah. to challenge you on the air. <laughs> and I keep ha- I keep throwing it out there too. You know, I've even thrown out to that one person that sent me a bunch of stuff from this astrologer. I said, well, how about you get that astrologer, and I'll call, I'll call Tech Raina, and we'll go on the show and have a little debate about yeah. this on Raina's show. No problem. If you nothing. Find nothing. I haven't heard back name, from that astrologer. Yeah. I mean, I've not even heard anybody say, hey, I want to take him on. And, um, you know, that offer is still open, guys. If you have somebody you want to put up against my guy, I'm ready to go. <laughs> we'll make it happen. Yeah, and it's yeah. it's funny no, because mean, it, it's a, it's a priest caste system of astrology. You know, in India, you know, it, yep. it's still held by the priest caste. You'd be surprised that I've had actual um, recent feelings of taking it back to a priest caste system. Means getting rid of it publicly entirely, um, and and keeping it as a word of mouth uh, and keeping it a tradition that the Greeks did with this for a while. Um, it's you know when it started making these predictions. And, and also the way that it, you can use magic so thoroughly and so honestly with it. I don't sometimes wonder if it's for everybody. No, I don't think it is because I think, well, first of all, you know, you're, you're telling people, you're asking them to change something, and, and it's not just with astrology, but when people have a belief about anything for, you know, 90% of their lives, uh, it's very hard to get them to open up and and maybe look at things another way and accept something that may be factual, even though, you know, what they believe isn't. You know, my mother told me I was French until I was 45, and then I found out the truth. I'm not French, uh, obviously. But, I mean, you know what I'm saying? People People want to believe what they want to believe, and it's very hard to get them to break out of certain methodologies whether or not they're true i know i i you just know? ran i mean again going back to giving readings it was not that far ago that i, I like a couple of weeks ago i had this lady i'm giving her reading and i'm giving her an introduction i said she goes i need to stop you for a minute you know i want to say something i'm like what is it she goes you know you say i'm a scorpio in your system i've already researched your work yet in western i'm a sagittarius and she goes i just be honest i'm a sagittarian not a Scorpio. <laughs> I start laughing right there. Two things I'm going to tell you on the show here that I may have never said before. But this one, I said, so what makes you so sure you're a Sagittarius? I mean, what makes you so knowledgeable about astrology uh-huh. that you know you're Sagittarius? She said, well, she said, I went to Thailand twice, and I used to have a job where I travel for work. And I'm like, listen, I've been to India 34 times. <laughs> it's like, I'm not. I'm like, oh, I forgot. You can only now travel if you're a Sagittarius. 
Oh, I forgot. I guess I, I, I should have – how wrong of me to travel to India 34 times. I'm not a Sagittarius. These are the crazy things I hear. You know, I, I mean, I just heard someone the other day just going, oh, you know, but I, I feel so much more like a Taurus than an Aries. I'm like, why? She's like, oh, I just like sex. Oh, so Taurus is the only sign that likes sex. Oh, my God, I didn't know that. Sorry. Oh, but Aries <laughs> certainly wouldn't. Oh, no, Aries doesn't like sex. Only Taurus likes sex. <laughs> These are real conversations I've been having with people. They identify with the strangest things, and you know, it, I guess this is where real intuition comes in because when I was in India, I mean, I have Taurus still tattooed on my arm, by the way, born May 8th, and I went to India, really? and my guru said, you know, you're – because I have Venus and Taurus, I just turned it into a Venus and Taurus, Mark, um, yeah. but yeah, um, my guru <laughs> said, when were you born? I said, May 8th, and he goes, oh, you're an Aries. And I'm like, oh, no, I I'm not an Aries. I'm a Taurus. I mean, so I went through this, what people go through, too, by the way. I, I went through it, too. Um, I just happened to be really yeah. young when, when it happened, thank God. Um, but I went, I went to my, my dorm that I was in in India after. I'm like, Aries, not Taurus. Meanwhile, I was an athlete in high school. I was the fastest kid in my, my school two years in a row. I was a football player in high school. <laughs> and, you know, here yeah. I was in India, and I was able to look at the, the Taurus symbol and then read Practical, conservative, and earthly, and go, holy shit, I'm none nope. of those things. Nope. None of those things. <laughs> but do you know how strongly I identified with them before that day? And then I went bold, oh, brash, God. impatient, and impulsive. I mean, I write books, and I put them out before they're edited. I write things, I put them <laughs> out. I'm so utterly impatient. I don't have time to mm -hmm. sit. I mean, I'm so not Taurus. But I identified yep. with being practical, conservative, and earthly while I was an athlete in high school. It was just like me. And then, you know, my, here's the one thing I'm, I'm going to tell everybody this. And I might say this to you, may not. A part of my course in India was him giving everyone in the class, because there were like 10 Westerners there, with 10 pieces of paper with the 12 signs on these pieces of paper. He removed the names of the signs use a thesaurus to move words around, and then rearrange the number of the signs. So you're reading the 12 signs without knowing which sign you're reading. And he said, pick the one you fill. I want to show everybody here, you have no idea what you're talking about. I picked Aquarius. Wow. Basically, his point going, you don't know who you are. You've been adapted mm -hmm. to something because you've been taught that since you were born. So when people give me the, oh, no, I'm my Western sun sign, I'm like, oh, no, you're not. The guy who created that course in 34 years never had a single person pick their Western sun sign. Oh. <laughs> it's like, you see, now there are people that are both. You're unique. You haven't had to go through that transition of being another sign, mm -hmm. different than what you grew up knowing. Um, but yeah. it's it's – so that's even interesting to that because I brought that up in a question. I said, but there are some people that are the same sign in both systems. And he said, it doesn't matter. I still have not had a single person pick their Western sign. <laughs> and here you are picking Aquarius. Uh, although I have Mars in Aquarius and I'm an Aries, so my Mars being an Aquarius, uh -huh. my ruler, I would have a lot of Aquarian traits. So I still believe I was slightly intuitive with that. And I was also born on Tuesday, the day of Mars, uh -huh. and my Mars is an Aquarius. So I do actually have a lot of Aquarian traits that I still relate to. But uh, no, I did not pick Taurus. <laughs> <laughs> and no one picks their sun sign ever. And so when people give me the jargon, as oh, I'm, not, I'm definitely that sign. And oh, my ex, he was a Scorpio, and he was so Scorpio, as if Libra can't have real significant lust issues. <laughs> it does.
Taurus. Um, As a matter of fact, in India, hello. they give lust more to Libra than they do Scorpio. Scorpio, they give psychology and things like that, which Libra has too. But the knowledge of lust, yeah. they give to they give to Libra. Yeah. Aphrodite. Well, Aphrodite makes, is Venus, the goddess sense. of lust. <laughs> yep. They even gave prostitution and things <laughs> like that to Libra. Oh yeah, you and I have had that conversation. <laughs> And they it's also so true, gave though. transgendered um, homosexuality to Libra. And in, in the ancients mm-hmm. saw it as the sign that dealt with bisexuality and homosexuality more than any other sign because of Aphrodite. Um, it was her mm-hmm. male side. Libra was the male side of Venus. So it dealt with um, that part of the divine that dealt with those subjects. Yeah, I totally tap it. I mean, I'm bisexual. I totally tap into that constantly. It's uh-huh. not even purely for a sexual thing. It's it's my attitude in everything, the duality, the business, you know, which is going to prosper better from the male energy, which is going to prosper from the female energy. I totally employ it every single day, you know. I know. It's a but part I'm of Vulcan. your whole makeup. I'm Vulcan. I'm Vulcan through and through. I mean, if you look up Vulcan, that's me. Yeah, no, I know exactly the tiger, too. The element in you of being a tiger is really significant. Now, Kamala has yeah. a Vulcan moon. She has a, she has a Vulcan moon. We're the, same, we're the same birthday, as a matter of fact, which I was pleased to oh, punch to find out. Oh, that's right. She's a Vulcan with a Dioscuri Aries yeah. moon. Okay, that's right. Her and Biden have the same moon in the same degree, which is interesting, by the way. It means that uh, Biden and Kamala were family in a previous life. I don't see it, but yet they're here, and their charts state yeah. that they were family in a recent life, like brother and sister. That makes sense. That makes a it lot does. of sense. It does. I don't feel it together. as strong as I'd like to, but it says it. Well, I, I actually, you know, and all family members are not that close necessarily, um, but they can still be in the same family. So I think, yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense. Having seen some of their interaction, you know, some t- they let each other lead sometimes. Um, you know, him being the top of the ticket, the focus should be more on him, but her ego comes on in there and says, well, you know, let's, Let's move over a little bit, my brother, and and let me have some room. And she, I think I think they're perfect, quite frankly. I this was not the match that I had wanted originally, but the more I see of how they're doing things, the more I love them. So I'm really happy. Me about too. It. I've really, I mean, to me, Obama was my favorite presidency so far, and that's getting ready to change. Mine too. And, Kamala is one of yeah. the reasons for that, uh, and 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 I've come to like Biden a lot, and knowing about his stutter problems and things of that nature, and the things that he's been through and what mm-hmm. he's overcome. I mean, overcome. I mean, losing your kids, losing your wife. Yeah. It's like, and and what really got me is I heard from Democrats a long time ago in the '80s who were saying we don't want Biden to ever become president because he's been too damaged by the things that have happened to him. We don't know if he can handle a presidency. Okay, that's fucked up that they had created yeah. that stance on him, like you've been through too much, You're, you've been damaged too greatly. Okay, that to me wants him to win bad and because yeah. we grow through that shit. And he's chosen to rise above those things. That's, that's massive to me. That makes him to me epic and almost the person that was meant to slay Trump entirely. I have 
to agree, you know, because you look at him and yes, a lot of people suffer a very significant, significant tragedy at some point in their lives. There's something really horrible that happens to almost every person I've ever known, you know, losing his wife, losing two daughters, having two sons in the hospital. Okay. And then 40 some odd years later, losing another child. It's like he is tested, he is retested. It's amazing to me. And for me, someone who can come out through the other side of that has the compassion that's necessary and has the ability to bring the sides. You know, you talked about how to get the country back together. And I think, quite frankly, because he's respected by both sides of the aisle, he actually stands the best shot of uniting the country. I agree, and I, I feel that so strongly. And, you know, this is for Trump people that think that there's been some, like, voter fraud. I love to remind them that Biden beat Trump in everything so far. Yeah. <laughs> TV ratings, <laughs> Trump on three stations, Biden on one. Biden gets four million more views. Biden has not lost one thing to Trump. And, and it's so funny, these Trump people, oh, no, I, I don't believe, you know, he never had anyone at his, at his conventions. And, you know, I, I'm like, Biden blew him away in TV ratings. That should matter. When, when Biden was on one station and Trump was on three, you, I mean, even CNN was getting ready to announce that Trump just killed Biden in votes. I mean, in, in uh, views, didn't happen. But quite the opposite. I mean, not one popularity contest has Trump won versus Biden. Not one. So I'm shocked that they did this voter fraud. Biden beat him all the way through, including TV ratings, all the way through. Well, we knew Trump was going to do this because that's what he does. If things don't go his way, he screams unfair and stamps his feet like a five-year-old. That's just what he does. I, know, I can't even believe the person was ever even president. And it is, it's still astonishing that he has this like, support. And you know, I feel most sad for people like yourself that grew up in New York when you knew who mm-hmm. he was far before he was president, which most of the world didn't know him before. So they Correct. Were, other than like The Apprentice. So I can't imagine what it would be like knowing that the, he's a con man in New York mm-hmm. and then the guy becomes yeah. president. It would be like the worst kick ever to the New Yorker who already knew he was a fraud, and then watch him delude and be this con man to all middle America. It's just like, it's, that's so frustrating. I can't even believe how hard that is for people that were in New York to see that. Well, and I will tell you, <laughs> when New York um, rejected him out of whole cloth and said, don't even come back here, he had to switch. During the presidency, he actually had to switch his residence from New York to Florida. So he will not be going back to New York because they don't want him. I know. Period. Yeah, so the enti- when an entire state practically tells you don't come back, yeah, I mean, New York and New Yorkers are pissed that everybody else didn't listen. Because we tried to warn these people. They didn't want to hear it. This is what we got. What frightens me more is the lasting effect of Trumpism. Because I, I can already see how if he doesn't run again, which he is actually talking about running again, but if he doesn't run again, the, the Republicans are going to have to put up somebody like him because that's going to be the only thing that's acceptable to a, a reasonably large swath of those people. 
Yeah, like Rubio's trying to act like a mini Trump right now. (laughs) You know, people like that. (laughs) Stop it, Marco. Stop it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, so I I do believe, though, astronomically, you know, we got our own series of events coming that are new. Um, Joe Biden's win, as you've heard me say, shifted and altered um, what could have happened. You know, I believe if Trump was to have won, we would have been looking at the Third World War. Surprisingly, after I had said yeah. that on um, uh, another radio show, surprisingly, um, there was evidence supporting that he was making those moves already um, in, yeah. in office. So I, I let people know, like Michael Moore was on top of it. Michael Moore has announced many times, which I didn't know until recently, that he was highly suspicious that Trump was going to bring the Third World War. Uh, and that was one of his major goals in office was to be the third world war president. And so we, we, yeah. we changed that and we shifted that karma around. Now we have weather instead that's going to produce these results. Yeah. And, and we are going to have some economical changes here too. The eclipses come in this year are around the economy. Uh, Trump will still be in office during some of them. I think ultimately though, yeah. that, um, compared to what we've just dealt with, that things will smoothen out to agree. I believe that when Biden gets centered, that's the new normal. I don't, as much as we use word, words like reset, this year was the end of a cycle of cycles. Uh, the, so I believe 2021 is the reset button. I don't think this year yeah. is. Okay. Yeah. I've said, I it. So. I've said it too because <laughs> it felt right to say it. But meanwhile, here I am predicting you know, more spikes in the coronavirus and all these other various things. So it, it, to me, it was just kind of a – it's just one of these years that shows up in history that we've had before. And they're not years that are good, but the years that follow are amazing. Like the entertainment business, I'm expecting to skyrocket after this. I hope so. I've seen a lot of um, venues close. I've seen oh, yeah. a lot of they, musicians hurting. When it's we go back rough. to normal, it's, all these it will be revitalized in new ways, 100. percent Yeah, I'm I'm hoping that that's soon because, as you know, and being one of the people that is near, you know, dear to me, I have musicians in my life who were supposed to be out on the road, were supposed to do concerts, and had concerts lined up that had to be delayed or canceled completely. Oh, yeah. So yep. I'm really hoping to see all my my musician loved ones back on the road doing their thing. Because um, it's been bad, it's been bad. You know. Yeah, it, it's been it, yeah, it's been horrible. I mean, it's been one of the hardest things that I have dealt with in music, and it brought up a lot of old feelings in me too. Because the only other time I left music was due to my health, which means I had to go through this anger of being pushed out of music twice for things that had nothing to do with my own power. And so right. I had to go through that with those feelings again. But I, I do, I'm, you know, I'm not going to be making a lot of public predictions next year. I'm, I'm going to go back to dealing with people. Uh, I wanted to yeah. stand out this year knowing what we were going to be dealing with in this year. Um, but I'll, I'll probably end up just using your show in the future to uh, talk about these things. Happy to have you to do it. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I want you, I want to thank you for, like, giving – unvarnished, unsugar-coated information like you do because knowing that things were going to get as bad as they did and and being on the lookout for the things that you warned about earlier in the year um, helped us navigate a lot of it. So I just wanted to thank you for doing that. Yeah. I'm happy to hear that, especially the night of the – the election, I had to hold on to my own prediction of predicting Trump to win night one and Biden to win the rest of the way out. I still had to remind yeah. myself of my own predictions that night. 
Yeah, and even though you had said that, and I have never seen you be wrong in my experience, um, I got so nervous election night. And even though I was, like I said, I was told it was going to go this way, I couldn't handle the roller coaster. I turned the TV off Tuesday night, and I didn't turn it back on until Saturday morning, an hour before they made the announcement. And I probably saved myself a nervous breakdown, and I probably saved you 20 calls from me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm glad it all worked out, and we'll see what happens here next. It's going to be crazy on the way out. Trump's – I do believe he's going to bring some fear up in December, December, but I think that, uh, you know, Biden's going to squeak in. That's awesome. But I just, you know, just knowing that, that that's the direction, I'm looking out for the things that are, like you said, he's going he's gonna to make noise on the way out and he's going to try something. Just the fact that I know to look for it, it makes me feel better because of the next thing you said, that ultimately we're, we're okay. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, I appreciate that. You know, you've always said it straight. You've never, you've never made something try to appear better than it is. And, you know, that's valuable. It really is, you know. So, Jade, tell people where to find you. Tell people what you want them to know in the in the in the next minute. <laughs> you know, I recommend going to AsterianAstrology.com. You know, the the home of real astrology. You know, and I like you know my Facebook page, Facebook.com forward slash Asterian Astrology, Facebook.com forward slash Jade Saluna Official. That's where I think it's best to find me. Uh, Facebook will probably be where I pop in some predictions here and there, but I'm going to be low-key uh, uh, for a while. I just kind of wanted to step up and do this this year. But learn about your real sun sign. Learn about your real moon sign. Learn about your role in the universe, because Western astrology yeah. is not that. Yeah. Jade, thank you so much. Uh, let's rebook after we get off of here, okay? Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for coming on. Take care. All right, everybody. That was Jade Saluna. He's amazing. Check him out on Facebook. Check out his website. Tomorrow I will be back at 11 a.m. with Deborah Lip to discuss James Bond. And at 1 o'clock I will have Julia Helena Hadas. And we're going to talk about witchcraft cocktails. So that should be a trip. All right, everybody, take care. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.